Hey, this is Jay Braun. Braun, Braun. We're back Braun, after Braun. a summer break, and I'm speaking to you from Tony's studio, surrounded by Tony's paintings, and here with Tony himself. How you doing, Tony? Hey, Jay. Yep, we're in my studio. I'm sitting here working away for my November 19th show at Joshua Liner Gallery in New York City, so stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Suggested Donation. We have some good stuff coming up. Jay, what do you have going? I'm in the last week of a Kickstarter campaign to build guitars out of renewable and salvage materials. If you're interested in making a pledge, any amount helps, or if you want to buy a guitar, it will feature a small piece of headstock art from our own Tony Cerny. Or Edward Minoff. That's right. Your choice of artists, uh, your choice of small headstock art. Um, you go to kickstarter.com and search Brooklyn Instruments. Once again, kickstarter.com and search Brooklyn Instruments. Do it quick. We only have about a week left, and we're selling guitars, so uh, get them before they're gone. Jump in there and help Jay out. So uh, Otherwise, we will see you all soon, so stay tuned and enjoy this new episode. Where's Ted? Ted, Ted, Ted. Ted? Vinci paintings has ever been catalogued or reproduced. They are unknown works, all apparently authentic to the last brushstroke and use of materials. As undiscovered Da Vinci's, they would be priceless. Welcome to Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minoff. And I'm Tony Serenai. And we are here with Robert Simon. Well, great to be here. Hello, Robert. Thank you for your time. Just to start off, I do want to give a little bit of your credentials and... Uh, you're, you studied at Columbia University. Yes, I went to college there and then on to graduate school in art history. I <laughs> teach there now. No, you do. I do in the visual arts. Ah, well, so this is a good thing. Because one of the great differences, I think, from today and, and then is that though I was in an you know, uh, academic program of art history, there was no connection with, with the, the creative arts and not, not even the slightest encouragement to do anything, which is why... Um, 35 or so years later, you find me um, studying basic color theory. <laughs> so some things come late, later in life. And, uh, but one thing that's interesting enough is that as much as I've, uh, um, I've been devoted to the study of, of painting, um, it's only relatively recently I've ever thought of do, making something. Getting your hands dirty. Getting my hands dirty, which... My hands you are literally did are, get are quite. <laughs> you have a little paint on your nose. <laughs> now, was it being around all these? You know, you you studied old master paintings, so being around all these great old master paintings just wanted forced you, whether in you know, inspired you to start studying to actually learn how to paint. Well, it's exactly the opposite. Wow. Okay. Because because being around all these great paintings made me realize that I could never really come up to anything like to the standards that I thought were, were you know, that I, that I valued. And so it kept me for years and years from doing anything because I felt there would be an implicit competition between uh, 
and me as a as a painter and these great great artists like a mortal versus leonardo exactly exactly it's kind of um it's it, it, you get cowed by it yeah. i think you are if you really respect these uh, the, the great masters of the past there's actually a change in thought about that came after seeing an exhibition up at hyde park at the roosevelt um, uh, home and museum of paintings of winston churchill and with the wall text were quotations from his his book that he wrote about about painting as a as a pastime, and I can't remember the exact words that he put into it. But it, basically, it, you you don't have to be Caravaggio. You don't <laughs> right. you you don't have to be a, a great artist. You don't have to rival the great masters to do something very good, whether personally or professionally. And um, as you may know, his paintings are, um, you know, highly valued, both commercially and aesthetically. And I think everyone would agree it's probably a good thing he wasn't a professional artist because he did, <laughs> he did better things in the world of diplomacy and politics. Right, but a competent... I, feel, I think that there was a time when everybody had sort of a basic competency. I mean, people who had gone through a certain educational process were introduced to ideas like linear perspective uh, in school. If you look at some of these uh, Victorian scrapbooks of, uh, you know, ladies who just traveled up with their little watercolor box, and and or soldiers uh, in England who would go on campaigns and come and do spectacular things. Yeah. Some of us are, are uh, well beyond the level of, of basic competence, and um, no, it's a kind of vocabulary and an ability that's. Uh, basically lost for, for most, so unless one has the desire to get, get into it. <laughs> so what, what initially led you into the arts at all? Like, What was your inspiration for uh, studying it uh, when, when you were at Columbia and ultimately? Well, it's before. It's, it's starting, <clears throat> starting from looking at paintings in museums mm -hmm. and becoming fascinated with them. And then, I suppose, in college, uh, discovering that one could actually take a course in it and get credit. <laughs> and, 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 and so, um, uh, you know, when I think whatever, you know, one's careers tend to follow whatever aptitude one has one way or another. I think the one aptitude I had was a very good visual memory. Mm -hmm. And so um, as I went around, I was able to recognize artist styles and um, distinguish uh, among them and and also um, start to you know ponder how, why these paintings were important in their time what they what they were how they were communicating what they were communicating so um, it seemed like a good career at the time. <laughs> and why old why did you wind up focusing on old masters why not you know I don't know Jackson Pollock or kind of more contemporary well, people keep asking me that because, <laughs> be, 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 only because uh, you know those who've focused uh, professionally in the in contemporary art are the, the successful people in the art world today. <laughs> but um, uh, I just you know I love this material. I love the uh, you know from the very earliest Italian paintings, the gold ground paintings with their uh, tremendously vivid narrative element and their sense of the divine through. Renaissance painting and, uh, and you know on on not quite to, well, to the present present day but selectively and and then back in terms of antiquity I have a very w wide range of interests but in terms of the focus of my scholarship 
Um, it had been, it was in the, it still is in the Renaissance and Baroque periods, which um, came together also with loving Ital Italy and Italian food, <laughs> Italian culture. Italiophile. Yeah, so it come, it, it, they, they, they all uh, folded in together. So um, one, I think one, another aspect is that academically, um, where it seemed that if you wanted to work on Shakespeare or um, you know, any great literary figure, uh, the, the the field had been so covered and that you'd just be dealing with minutiae, uh, you know. Right. But but here there were great artists had never really been treated um, in terms of modern scholarship. I wrote my thesis on Bronzino, mm -hmm. and there 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 was so much material that had never really been discussed um, in uh, in the English language, but also just generally through documents, through drawings, hadn't been really been put together. That I found myself working on a great, great artist and having, you know, I could, if I continued with it the same zeal, I'd be writing, you know, something every day. There's yeah. really so much to be said. It's kind of amazing that he had been overlooked. I mean, he's an incredible painter. Yeah, I mean, hadn't been entirely overlooked. There have been articles and books written about him, but nothing, right. nothing relatively recently, nothing comprehensively in, in the field, the, the topic that I chose, which had to do with the portraits that he did for the Medici Duke had never been comprehensively uh, brought together, discussed. So it was a very rich field. And I think there still are many fields uh, such uh, similarly in, 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 uh, in the history of art that are ne never, haven't been really treated with the kind of uh, rigor that uh, they deserve. Right. Well, it, on the subject of unexplored territory, maybe we should talk about a little bit about Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> well, this is probably this is the irony of this. Of course, my work with Leonardo is that he's probably the most studied artist of all time. Of all time. <laughs> but um, and another I irony is that when I was considering a, uh, a topic for my doctoral thesis, I thought of writing on the the students of Leonardo, and a professor of mine said, just said, "Choose another topic. You will be doing it forever and ever, and never get out of it." <laughs> so when it came time, sort of that Leonardo appeared in my life again, there was a kind of a sweet. Um, uh, <laughs> satisfaction in, in being able to work on him. But um, I came to the, um, you know, the, I had a lifelong interest in Leonardo, which is not unusual for anyone interested in uh, painting or sculpture or technology or yeah. medicine or anat anatomy. <laughs> I mean, he's, um, I think many people just find um, rightfully the kind of the, the person to, um, idealized to worship in a way in in his life and his career and in what he did um, so that it, it had uh, he'd been always very much in my mind and and in a small way in terms of my scholarly work they um, first uh, the painting that um, I became involved in I first saw in the year 2005 and um, from that point on I spent I became a Leonardo specialist, which I never had been, <laughs> been before, but doing a lot of uh, looking and research and focused, I mean, it's kind of the most extraordinary uh, opportunity to um, study an artist and he, um, directly with a, with a painting. I mean, and yeah. that's the find of a lifetime. It's truly defined in a lifetime. Salvatore I'm, I'm, uh, Mundi. Salvatore Mundi, yeah. yeah. The savior, savior of, the, of the world. It was a painting that had been uh, recorded, known, uh, known through copies, known through a couple of drawings. So there was a, a legend, like the legend of Salvatore Mundi. 
Yeah, there have been, I mean, there, there basically are, were three major paintings that Leonardo uh, painted and that were, that hadn't, hadn't survived. One was the, the Battle of Anghiari, which was a great mural that was done in Which the, may be hidden behind a plaster wall. Maybe, <laughs> but, but although there's, um, you know, there's been a lot of hunting for it, I think, I think the, the rational mind believes today that alas it's been destroyed so the last I read they were still doing uh, research behind that wall and that the Vasari there were some like tantalizing clues in the Vasari painting mm. that's in front of it sounds like a Dan Brown book it, well there is there is there is <laughs> a bit a bit of that and there's also um, I mean one I mean who who wouldn't like this painting to exist oh, there? Yeah. but, but um, when do they think it was destroyed well, it never was. Com it was never completed. Yeah, never completed. So, so within the 16th century, it had um, the early part of the sec it had decayed, and 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 so by the time that Vasari came along, the painting in the in the latter half of the 16th century, there seemed to be no compunction in covering it up. Mm -hmm. And the same, I mean, the the project involved a mural by Leonardo on one wall and a mural by Michelangelo on the opposite wall, or the adjacent wall. It's a little unclear. And and so um, uh, so that great project we know through some preparatory drawings, some copies, fragmentary copies, and, mm -hmm. and the like. So that was that was the one. The second was a Leda painting of Leda and the and the, and the Swan, which again we know through painted copies, but um, no real evidence of a painted original. It's, except it's thought it was with the. Uh, in, with the French royal collection destroyed uh, probably in the 18th century. So when you have the, uh, when you have the painted copy and you're researching Leonardo's and the paintings he completed, the the Salvador Mundi painting you knew did exist only through copies, not that people were like, oh yeah, it used to be here and there's documentation <laughs> that's this person owned it and or sold it to this person or it was at this point and. Yeah, it's no, no. It's just it was kind of the reflection of a painting. Mm. We knew we knew there um, there were a few copies that had been gr grouped together by um, by scholars, um, and there were two preparatory drawings that are at, at the Royal Library at Windsor that had been associated with it, and an etching after the after the painting, though it wasn't really clear whether that was after the original or after one of the mm. copies. So there was this body of work there, but there was still speculation about whether a painting had actually been made or whether it was just a drawing. Um, and so the, since there had been no real evidence that was known that there was such a painting, and a couple of paintings had been proposed as the lost original over the years, but never really uh, acquired any um, were those currency. Like, were those other copies? There are like 20-something copies, right? Yeah, well, there, uh, one of them is a very good, a very good, very close to the original painting that had been um, exhibited in the in the 80s, uh, held, suggested as being a um, the original, but um, I don't think any scholars accepted it, mm -hmm. to, except the one who proposed it. When was the last um, Leonardo da Vinci work authenticated before this one? Well, I guess you'd have to go back to the Benoit Madonna, which is a um, beautiful early uh, virgin and child, which is uh, in the Hermitage. Uh -huh. And oh, when that had been um, when that had been discovered in the very early years of the 20th century, 
um, that was the, that had been the last that was then so sold to the to the Tsar. So it was a hundred years. A hundred years, wow. indeed. Yeah. So, so um, somewhere along the line, actually, it was in 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 the uh, celebrated court case of uh, putative uh, second version of the original version of the Belle Ferroniere. Uh, somebody stated that the discovery of a painting by Leonardo is like the discovery of another planet, and it is, <laughs> it is really like of that of that r rarity. There may be arguably fifteen to seventeen paintings by him. Uh, of course, many many in, ex in existence. There's only in existence, about and then and then if we add the couple of lost ones, you have that bracketed amount. I mean, it's so I mean, so little. It had such a massive impact. No, that said, I mean, all his other work. I remember seeing there at the Met um, years ago. There, they had the Leonardo drawing show. Great, great, uh, great amazing exhibition. Amazing show. But I remember going there and thinking to myself that I was almost sad for him. Like you were born at the wrong time. Like he was too smart, and you could see it in his books. And I'm like, if you were born. A little bit later, where technology was able to, you know, keep up or you know keep up with you, you know, who knows what he he well, was. Well, of course, the you know the mechanics, do. the the machines that he he uh, designed and developed. I mean, of course, the celebrated flying machine. Yeah. I mean, all he needed is a motor to make it go. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was. Um, I mean, there are so many uh, so many of these uh, uh, concepts that developed later into parachutes, yeah. bicycles. I mean, there are many uh, uh, hydraulic machines. I mean, there are several exhibitions in the world in which the machines have been reconstructed. And they're absolutely fascinating, both to look at, to under because one can understand the, the functioning of them, um, but the brilliance of their composition the and the simplicity to a certain the extent really, is, yeah, is really quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to that, just I hope you don't mind, but I'd love to just walk through the whole process the of whole discovering thing. that painting. So what landed in front of you was a damaged and restored and it was a painting. It was a painting that was not um, uh, superficially very beautiful. Right. It had been compromised by a series of of. Um, ill-conceived restoration attempts right. um, and also uh, but with a few passages in the painting that had not been uh, compromised and which one could see some painting some areas of extraordinary quality so right. almost like a window you're a looking at it like a dirty window but through the clear part of the window you can see something that looks amazing well, it was even more than that because uh, the the the, the basic problem with the, the survival of the painting, painted on a wood panel, and um, and not the greatest wood panel. I mean, you as artists know that you choose your materials yeah. very, very carefully. <laughs> For some reason, Leonardo chose a a, a a walnut panel, as it turned out, and but one which had its uh, had knots in it. Right. Um, well, he was famously bad at choosing his materials. This is this is true. <laughs> the Last Supper. Hey. Yeah. yeah. So so it's it's um, it, it it must have uh, had issues fairly soon on with it, but over the years, uh, clearly a few things happened to it. One was that the pa the painting cracked, it checked, um, it warped, and in attempts to salvage it to repair it. 
uh, worse things happened. The painting had been uh, was flattened, uh, glued to another panel, then cradled again. And so this panel, which had, had uh, uh, if you can imagine it looking at the long way, it looked like two little hills uh, and a valley in between. And the way that some restorer thought to make it more appealing was to fill that valley with gesso, with fill, and then to repaint the areas that were covered. So well, all this people not realizing that they're they're screwing with the Leonardo da Vinci. It's it's you know to make it happen to make the picture <laughs> somehow um, I, you know not to not to cast aspersions on, on on what you do but most of the most of the restorers of the, in the past were artists and right. so they were and you know they could improve things as yeah. they saw it yeah. and certainly if you have a painting with a big crack in it and uh, it's got this funny shape, and you somehow are competent and able to uh, to fill it and repaint it. Well, maybe you're making something that's superficially more appealing. But as it goes on, as that repaint uh, decays and has to be redone, and you you don't get the A plus painter, maybe you get the B plus, or yeah. maybe the D painter. <laughs> it gets further and further from the truth. And so, uh, as the painting came down to the 20th century, and we have a photograph of it from 1912, it's it, it became really a horrific-looking object with um, kind of bolting eyes and, uh, and a rather stare of a terrorist. So somebody had essentially repainted... So this, the, the figure is Christ, and he's got it one hand up, and the other hand is holding a, a sphere, a crystal sphere, and then his face, it's frontal. And so largely what had been repainted was his face and his hair? Is that His face and, uh, I mean, the, the crack in the panel that... Uh, caused a major problem, so kind of miraculously followed the grain around his his head, but it came sort of through his, through his ear and then back on, on across his chest, and uh, then the restoration area was much broader to to unify things. So it did cover a good part of his face, and I think this is one of the reasons why the painting escaped uh, um, serious attention over the over the years. Um, it's History, we were then able to reconstruct through um, some dogged research. <laughs> but, but, but its most recent history in the, in the 20th century, when it was in um, the rather distinguished English collection, the Cook Collection, uh, we know from uh, the, its time in, it was acquired, bought by Sir Frederick Cook in 1900, sold at auction in 1958. For but like 45 pounds, 40, right? Amazingly, 45 pounds. <laughs> and, and some of the greatest paintings that you see in American museums came from this collection. It was really the most distinguished old master painting collection um, in England, perhaps after the, that of the Queen. Uh, but the, uh, in the late 30s, 40s, 50s, various, they began selling things art dealers would come in. And this was a picture that was just passed over by everybody. Mm -hmm. And also passed over for any kind of conservation treatment because it was considered too unimportant. Uh, what's even more frightening is that during the, during the war, the important paintings from this collection were evacuated to Wales. And the unimportant pictures were just put in the basement of the house in London, which was hit by a bomb. But uh, somehow this painting escaped. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, 
So there, there, there are these kind of strange little <laughs> chapters about the survival of this painting that really are quite, quite amazing. Do you know where the painting was in the 19th century? Do they have a record of any sort of long, long distance? No, we record? know where it was um, in the 17th century because it appears in an inventory of the collection of Charles I, King mm -hmm. of, of uh, England, probably the most fabulous art collection of all time. And at, uh, at his uh, death, the, uh, with the establishment of the Commonwealth, all the property of the crown became, um, you know, w w was seized for uh, debts. And the painting, uh, we can track it during the 10 years before it was then, before the restoration, when it went back to the English crown. Uh, and then through, through that till the mid-18th century when it was sold by Duke of Buckingham, who was, the, who was, the, uh, who was married to the illegitimate daughter of one of the kings. <laughs> and, and, uh, but after that, uh, between 17, late 1730s and 1900, we don't know where it was. We believe it's in, it was in England. There are various pictures that meet its description generically, but nothing really definite, yeah. so. Yeah. Was it in, in the King's collection, was it listed as a Leonardo? It was, it oh. was indeed. It was called Leonardo, uh, um, Head of Christ, and uh, um, a couple of the entries don't describe it, but there's one that's very specific in which um, he's described, the painting is described as a Head of Christ with one hand holding a globe and the other hand blessing. Mm -hmm. And was that the, also the period where that etching was made, or has that uh, come after? Yes, the etching was made in 1650, it's dated. And um, the artist, Wenzel Haller, a bohemian, um, bohemian artist, uh, was living in Antwerp at the time. This is, this is after, a year after uh, Charles I uh, was executed. Uh, but he had earlier, he had been a royalist, he had worked at the court in in England mm -hmm. and was the drawing teacher of the children of Charles I. So oh, he, wow. would have, he would have had exposure to the painting there, probably um, made drawn copies of it and then later made a print of it. So that's pretty strong evidence that at least that the etching was done from the same painting that was in the King's collection. Yes, yes, absolutely. And kind of one of the, there are interest, one of the interesting um, details in studying the, that print uh, carefully is that there's a, a uh, jewel right in the center of uh, Christ's uh, stole which crosses his, his chest. And this painting didn't have it. This painting had um, a different design, but when the painting was cleaned, and that area of gesso was excavated, it appeared. So that, this is one of the reasons why we kind of doubted the, that this was the lost original, because it didn't correspond to the print, except in the end it did, right. once, once the conservation treatment was, was undertaken. Certainly, from the time I first saw the picture um, and working on it, it wasn't with the idea that this was a Leonardo. That came only only after two years, really. Right. Yeah. Was that in the back of your mind, and were you thinking, like, <laughs> no, don't let yourself believe yeah, it, don't I, let yourself... I, I want to go back to, like, when they brought you the painting, like, what do you, what is this? What do well, you, having, how, a, having a fascination with Leonardo, it was just enough to be, an, what seemed, clearly was an early painting, yeah. that was an early version of this lost 
picture. So you're already interested. Like, it's probably not a Leonardo, but, you know, I'm really interested in this work. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's by one of of his really good students. Um, And so that was really the hope, that it would be an interesting record of what the Leonardo was like and and would be an interesting and and painting of some quality um, you know to be to work on so the the wisest thing um, decision early on was just to treat this with the utmost importance rather so than automatically you were like I'm interested in this yeah. painting I don't know what it is but I'm already exactly yeah and it, t- it took it so basically from 2005 uh, the, the, the work kind of went in two directions. I, I undertook the scholarly work, um, and the conservation was undertaken by uh, a colleague, Diane Modestini, who teaches at the Institute of Fine Arts uh, Conservation Center. And um, she worked slowly, methodically, and very carefully at the removal of the overpaint, and then through a, a colleague of hers named Monica Griesbach working on the restoration of the panel. Um, so is that the first stage? Is okay? Let's take off a little bit of paint out of. Let's time. take let's 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 take off the, the uh, clear clear overpaint and see what we have. Then well, there was a clear discrepancy between like the parts those those as Tony was saying the windows where you could see through the, the and then the window. repainting. There well, the was, quality was so completely different. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's um, you know you don't have. You don't have a face like that with a hand like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's you know, uh, I mean, the art historians could conjecture anything that there were two artists involved, a master and a student. But no, the the hand was so beautiful, the face was so awful. Uh-huh. So uh, as the the overpaint was removed from the um, from the face, one one starts to see more and more more and more passages of of great quality. But still, one. It's not something you'd say, oh, that's Leonardo. Right. I mean, this is crazy to, to conceive of it. It's yeah. just, it's, you know, akin to it's like buying the Brooklyn Bridge. You it's just like don't storybooks, <laughs> yeah, it, it's fantasy story, stuff. It, it, it absolutely is, and it's, not, it's something that I, you know, even, even today can't fully apprehend and digest, and because it is, it's a little bit, I mean, for, in doing what I do, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's impossible. A, a, a friend of mine who's a, who's a gold medalist, um, years ago, said said to me, you know, an Olympic they, gold, medalist? an Olympic gold medalist. Oh. And this is, it was Dick Button, who's a figure figure skater. And, oh, well. and he said, this is it's like you've got you've achieved a gold medal. I mean, it is. It's kind of no, you, It's really it's you but it's, it's something you. Yes, of course you dream about it, and um, uh, but you don't think about it seriously if you're a reasonably serious person, which I. Like to think that I it, would, it would be the greatest antique roadshow episode <laughs> ever. It would be. like it would. It's the storybook version of somebody being like, "I found this in my closet. My daddy gave it to me." And like, yeah, but Leonardo. Yeah. So when you bring it, and now they're starting to. And I'm assuming because um, I don't know a lot about that process. I mean, we're as artists, we're all very. Like you were saying, we're very uh, into our technique and everything, and, and that we're you know into classical paintings. We're into the idea of everything has to be done properly. I'm still assuming that you're taking down layers of paint little by little, so it's not like you're taking big things and all of a sudden you're like, it's Leonardo. It's it's still a slow process. I'm it's a, it's a very slow process, and but I mean the cleaning of a painting is. Uh, 
Is it like just, solvent and Q-tips? It is exactly like that. But <laughs> but if you you know if you paint well you know as paint if you if you take your paint thinner and put it on painting that you've just painted, it's going to take the paint off. If you, off yeah. if you take, uh, you know, turpentine, you put it on a 500-year-old painting, it won't do a thing. No, right. It's so, <laughs> so, I mean, paint gets uh, more and more resistant to uh, solvents over the years. And so uh, conservators and, and are very aware of this. And, I mean, in the past, perhaps they hadn't been, but, you know, today, in terms of knowledge of what, what uh, solubility factors, different paints, um, they're able to remove the later paints, the more soluble, soluble varnishes, and the and the dirt. It's often in between, obscuring obscuring them. So the process is slow, methodical, and and, and requires a combination of um, artistic sensibility and chemical knowledge. So and orbital sanders out of the question. <laughs> gen generally, generally, they try to avoid uh, avoid. They the, frown on that. They yeah. frown on that. <laughs> But it's it's been known to happen. It's caveman. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a slow process. So it's like you're you know with the knowledge of solvents and everything that they're doing now, they're taking it off little by little. So are you involved with every step of the process? Or well, this is one of the the, the things that I learned from my uh, time as a, a research fellow at, at the Metropolitan Museum, and I had the wonderful opportunity to work with and observe the people in the painting conservation lab. Um, and something that many people who are art dealers, it's just I am, don't have, they sort of send their paintings out to be cleaned and they come back. It's sort of like the people who send their dog out to a dog trainer and they get a dog back that's not necessarily <laughs> their own anymore. Um, you have to uh, talk it, to them in German now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. So, so it, it's it's. Uh, I love to uh, sit with the conservators I work with. I learn so much about technique and and also there are important decisions to be made along the way. And in and in this case, there was a point um, when uh, Diane called me and said, uh, "You have to come over to my studio. I found something really interesting." And and what that. And I did come over, and what that was was the, uh, as she was cleaning the background, the discovery of a pentimento, a, 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 a change by uh, the artist in the positioning of the thumb in the blessing hand. Wow. And we looked at it and considered what what are the possibilities of um, why this would have been done. I mean, basically. Um, as painters, you know, you often reposition things. You try to, you know, do this. But basically, um, uh, we had the evidence of these 20-plus copies that all showed the thumb in one position. And here we had that position as the dominant sort of second version. And there was a, a first first attempt at it in different, clearly by in, in the same hand. So... Um, there was this awful moment when we kind of realized this indicated that this was the prime version. And the painting, therefore, was by Leonardo. So, I mean, it was the, so that thumb? was the moment. The that was a moment. That was, was the moment? It was an aha, eureka, <laughs> but scary moment. Absolutely frightening because, you know, going on with the... Yes, as the, as the quality of the painting emerged, one was allowing oneself to think, God, it's awfully good, it's better <laughs> than most of the, it's, you know, but any any student can have a Could, really yeah. good day. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and uh, but this was coming together that way, and then and so then. So when she said that to you when you were going there, and she's like, "I found something interesting." What what did you think it was? Like, what do you remember? I know it was a while ago, but do, what do you, what was going on in your head? Like, I wonder what she found, or what is she talking about before you got there? It could, I, I really, I, I left my, you know, the mind was a little, a little blank at that point, because it could have been something awful, you know, like a portrait of Mussolini. And <laughs> so so I, 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 really, I really didn't know, but when, 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 when I came there, and, and she presented this with, you know, complete neutrality, which is, I mean, it's the way people, professionals, you know, view this thing, it wasn't that, you know, I think this is the you know this is evidence. So we kind of we kind of looked at it, and 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 as any kind of sense, sensible scholarship uh, should be constructed, it was a kind of dialectic between for and against, and what were the and and basically because of the improbability of it being Leonardo, we're always looking for the against the yeah. against arguments, in, in and what true, were the alternatives? In a true scientific ways, you're always. Trying to you have to be. You have to be because the the world is filled with people who uh, you know take their dreams and go on with them. It's, and Leonardo is, you know, this is a new Leonardo every week. Yeah. I mean, if you, uh, I made the mistake of you know, signing up for Google alerts on Leonardo. Every day there, <laughs> there I get you know, fifty items on, on it, and and often enough there's a new painting in there. So. Yeah. So you realize. That must have scared. This is a Leon, this is a Leonardo sitting in front of us. What what is the first thing you think about? The first thing we thought about like, was higher like, like guards. Like, or no, exactly exactly that. It it was being um, uh, work treated um, in a educational institution. There were students that came by every day, there were professors that came by every day. It was just sitting on an easel among other. There was good. Security there certainly, but um, like a doorman. <laughs> yeah, something that could be worse. I mean, you, you have to be buzzed in. You have yeah. to, you know, know all that. But still, it's you know, this is a painting of of. I feel like it deserves its own secret service detail. Yeah. I mean, it's well, worth it's more than most countries. It. <laughs> it, it, it did. It did get eventually get it, but but at that point, so so. Um, then there's a there's a safe at the uh, uh, there, so every night it had to be locked up. Right. And so did it scare the hell out of her to yeah, work well, on this at this point? Absolutely. Like when you realize it's a Leonardo and there are fourteen other Leonardos confirmed out there, and you're touching it with solvent, that must be the scariest thing in the world. Well, she's a professional. So even that's the, as a professional, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> even 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 even, but even so, um, uh, I know for her it's. Uh, it was a, a phenomenal uh, experience, uh, both professionally and emotionally. Um, when when the painting left her studio, eventually she, I know she said that it was like breaking up with somebody. <laughs> it was because she worked on it for so long and so intimately. Right. Um, and um, and so it's it's kind of um, and it and at first, not knowing that it was a Leonardo. Yeah. Um, I think by the t end of the process, when she realized that it, it did change her perspective, perspective on it, and and one of the you know the the, the authentication process mentioned before involved a lot of different issues. It involved uh, st issues of the provenance, as alluded to briefly. It involved the connection with other drawings and of the of the copies, but also um, some very interesting technical uh, studies, imaging, 
that was done through reflectography, x-rays, but also uh, analysis of the materials that he used, very advanced things that were done. And for example, we were able to determine that the medium that Leonardo used was walnut oil. And Leonardo writes about using walnut oil. Mm -hmm. And walnut oil was not a particularly common uh, medium. At that time? At that time. Um, but he had, he had a preference for it. So that was, it doesn't prove anything, right. but it's, it's one, another little bit of evidence that would point towards uh, his authorship of the picture. Even the use of the walnut panel, because most Italian painters would use poplar panels, and Leonardo, about half of his paintings are on walnut and half on poplar. Well, at any point did you say to her after that eureka moment, don't mess this up. No pressure. I didn't, I didn't dare. No pressure at all. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe, like, the, the, I, I, they recently, uh, or fairly recently, discovered this Velasquez self-portrait at the Metropolitan, and it was a painting that I know Tony and I had spent time around, and it was always a very impressive painting. But the, the, the decision to take that painting off of the painting to reveal what was underneath it, I mean, that, that's such a... You know, and, and in that case, knowing it was, I, I guess it had been accepted as a student of Velasquez and to reveal the actual Velasquez, I just, it's such a leap of faith. I mean, I'm sure a ton of work goes into it before they remove anything. But oh, the, 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 the I mean, the professional uh, conservators today are, think very carefully. Very yeah. But the, of course, they, they also, um, especially in a museum context, I think treat everything as if it were, you know, an important cultural relic, and right. and and um, so I I don't think they can allow themselves to to think that. Uh, of course, when you have something that's clearly very important, there's a lot more pressure. <laughs> yeah. So when you at this point, um, just because you know you. Sit there and say, "Oh, I think this is Leonardo." That's far from authentic. It being authentic, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. <laughs> so, what is the process? And it's and I've heard, it like it could take forever. It could be relatively quick. Um, what is the process in in uh, getting, getting academic getting, consensus? You know, getting everybody on board to say yes, this is what we think well, it the, is. The process, I, I suppose, imi would imitate the same way that one would establish uh, authorship for any any painting, which is to go to the recognized expert and 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 uh, uh, assuming that that expert is a good connoisseur, which is not always the case, um, uh, you know, seek an opinion. And uh, in, in the case of Leonardo, there are a lot of experts. There are um, experts in every aspect of his work, from painting and drawing to um, you know, to the mechanics, to so there's specialists in just Leonardo. There are many, many yes, indeed, and there are also general connoisseurs of Italian painting who are very wise in Leonardo and in other fields. So uh, the problem, the first initial problem, is that to contact any of them to say I have a Leonardo is a good way to being ignored <laughs> completely. Are they like, it's another phony phone call? Like, we got the 51st Google alert. It's ab absolutely, sure absolutely, it you know, it's a ludicrous thing. And it was something that um, I thought about carefully about how, how to, how to uh, approach this. And I, I, I conceived, you know, I, I went through the people that I, I've met over the years. Um, 
and, and I thought, who would be the mo who would I, who did I think was the most distinguished um, connoisseur of painting generally of Italian painting, without any particular axe to grind, without any particular um, investment specifically in Leonardo, um, and I thought um, of uh, Nicholas Penny. Nicholas Penny was the He's now re just retired director of the National Gallery in London, but at the time he was the curator of sculpture at the National Gallery of Art in Washington. And I sent him an email, and I, uh, I dared not mention the L word. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and he he knew that I was, you know, we had some you know, some contact. He knew that I was a reasonably serious person. <laughs> so I just said, I have a very important early Italian painting that I would love your opinion. I can't tell you what it is, but it rhymes with Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci. So, um, and and so I, you know, I put the bait out there, yeah. as it were. But he was, you know, he's, he's an inquisitive person, and he said, "I'll be in New York in a month," and he set a date, and he came to New York, and I retrieved the painting from the conservation lab and. Uh, brought it to my gallery and put it up on an easel. And he walked in and um, I think it took a, a nanosecond for him to understand. So you that, didn't even say anything, you were just like. I didn't say a word. What was it for him? I mean, what do you know specifically? Like, was there any one catalyst for him that just no, sort of I don't, sealed? I don't know, I really don't know uh, exactly, except that um, he's then we sat down and he said, you have an interesting problem here. <laughs> and and um, because he understood as the, that what was really is required in this is, is a consensus right. of scholarly opinion. And many of these people um, who are the specialist scholars in, Leonardo, in different parts of the world are not the people to write to. And they do get a letter a, a week about yeah. the lost yeah. Leonardo. And and also that um, I don't think they all play well together. So. I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> is there a lot of competition? I'm assuming there's competition amongst the. I think there must be. I, I would call it a certain amount of rivalry yeah. among, among some scholars, but um, it's it's um, you know by and large, I think. Uh, um, they, they do subsume their egos to the greater good, uh, not always, but in, 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 in this case, um, he just suggested that um, at this time he had been appointed to his position in London, that once he was there, that if the painting were brought over, he would invite the leading scholars in the field on kind of neutral ground of the National Gallery to take a look at the picture and also, they would compare it with the Virgin of the Rocks, which is in their collection, yeah. Leonardo, um, and uh, and would go from there. And that's indeed what happened. Several months later, the picture, um, I hand carried it to you. Put it under your arm and hopped yeah, on. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> where, do, where do you put it, on the insurance paper? It, 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 it did. It, the, 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 the the saga of the insurance of this painting will would take a, another hour. But <laughs> interesting, interestingly enough, um, I can give you sort of two uh, uh, points out. One one was that, uh, of course, when I, when I actually first had the painting, and I took it to Diane Modestini to to look at, I put it in a gray standard garbage bag, 
put it under my arm, took a taxi. That's smart. <laughs> this is, this is, is the smart. way that great paintings travel yeah. in Manhattan. <laughs> I, I, not to interrupt you, I have a story. I have a friend who's in that world. <laughs> And she said, if you ever see anybody walking around Manhattan in those, those see-through plastic bins that you can get at like, uh, you know, Ikea. At, at Ikea or like Home Depot with stuff wrapped in tissue paper, tackle them and take it. Because <laughs> it's usually people going from Sotheby's or Christie's or to the Met. Yep. And she, goes, she said, some of the most valuable stuff in art are people just walking around Manhattan and in clear plastic bins. Yep. <laughs> so a gray garbage bag under your arm. My, I was a little more discreet, so I had the <laughs> opaque gray, gray standard garbage bag, not, not the recycling model. And uh, so that was in 2005. In 2008, in 2008, yes, when we, I took it to London, um, it was in a purpose-built um, case, unframed, um, that was taken in the front of the, you know, in the passenger cabin, business class, uh, to, to London, where I, and I was met appropriately and taken um, to the National Gallery. Uh, fast forwarding to 2011, when the painting was included in the great Leonardo show that the National Gallery eventually organized and, and, uh, and put on. The painting was then framed. It was in a crate. It had... Um, you know, guards. It had uh, <clears throat> um, the greatest care That's so cool. <clears throat> through the. <clears throat> pardon me. With um, at, you know, as it was uh, carried down the street into the plane <laughs> through. I mean, through customs. It was a, a, a great event, and um, but uh, and each time the insurance was at very much different Inflated. values. <laughs> One or two thousand dollars, the most. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Maybe just a little more. Just enough to to make sure that if it if it cracked again, it could be yeah. it could be fixed. Yeah. Just out over. Yeah. So, like I was saying, it wasn't an overnight thing. It took a long time for people to kind of jump on board and say, "Yes, we do think this isn't Leonardo." Well, the the chronology is basically two thousand five from the time I first saw the painting, two thousand seven when I first understood that it was really by Leonardo and started to show it to people. 2008, when this little convocation of scholars took place at the National Gallery in London. London. And then, at, uh, subsequent to that, the, they decided to organize an exhibition was kept. Um, the existence of the painting was kept um, under wraps while I continued doing the research. And, uh, and the restoration also continued after, after that, and, uh, which is probably the hardest thing is keeping Keep quiet about this. I mean, if you can <laughs> think about it, you know, people would see me and say, hey, what's new? Got to see any good pictures? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's going on. Nothing. 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 quiet around here. So it's, it's a really bizarre cu couple of years of my life. I mean, do you and, and every hour, I'm, I'm, I mean, I say an hour a night, I think I'm, I'm, I'm doing research. I mean, if if, if, during the day, I'm in the library. At night on the internet, I'm doing, uh, you know, checking things, putting things uh, together. So, so that's the research that you're talking about. Even though now, at this point, it's been cleaned, everybody's looking at what the original paint is on this thing, you're still researching it. Still research, still researching it today, today. because there's, um, I mean, this is such an uh, important major work. We still don't know the basic issues of who, who commissioned it, um, exactly what year, when it was painted. Um, where it was at certain points in its career, and 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 then and and then also a lot of the significance of the picture um, 
is still to be discussed. We think of how much is, uh, has been written about every other Leonardo painting. And this is something new. It's, it, it, it changes uh, both our knowledge of Leonardo and of the uh, history of art generally. It's as if uh, you, know, you, you throw a rock into uh, a still pond and all those ripples go out in different directions right. and interfere with other ones. And it really does, I mean, this is significant. So when you're researching it, and I don't want to use a, a, a hacky line, but is it like searching for a needle in a haystack where you're looking through documents, you're looking through writings, just to see if there's a clue to say this might be a clue to who commissioned this, this painting, or somebody mentioned something that might be this painting and it's something you need to be aware of. Yeah, no, the, the, I mean, it's a combination of directed research of where the likely places are and, and a little bit of random chance taking in terms of other aspects of it. Following, I mean, there's a lot of uh, information about the painting. Uh, I was able to uh, discover from looking at the copies very carefully. Um, it's the same way that philological research is done in the literary world, world. You kind of see the changes as they go along and then see what, what's common among them and go back and see which is the kind of the purest source and maybe even have an idea of when the painting was painted by when the first copies appear. So there are a lot of different um, research techniques that, that one can bring to a study of a, pic, a picture of this sort. Do you have any, any kind of prevailing theories on when it was painted? Like what period? I do. I think it's very close to the Mona Lisa. So mm -hmm. this is in the, in the earliest years of the 16th century. When it was shown in London, um, the exhibition, which was uh, called Leonardo at the Court of Milan, we left Milan in 1499, mm -hmm. the painting was just a lot, just kind of just, just came after. in under the wire with the idea that that was what the year it was painted. These, um, and it may well have been then, but um, I, I think it, it may have been uh, painted over a period of um, some years, mm -hmm. as Leonardo yeah. uh, is famous for right. not finishing things, yeah. as, as, yeah. as working on them over a period of time. And, and, and I th so I think it's, it may well have been begun at that point, but not completed for, for maybe another 10 years. Do you think he ever considered it completed? Ah, that's a good question. I don't... That, that of course we can't really tell right. because, because of um, you know the, the what what's befallen the painting since then. With um, even though I I think it's in uh, rather extraordinary condition, all things considered, there are glazes that are either were not there or lost. There are things that are uh, very hard to say. But yeah, I, I think there's enough there in the parts that are. Uh, beautifully preserved to say yes it was and on the other hand we know that Mona Lisa uh, was uh, he worked on until he died so right. um, presumably it was something that he'd come back to right just one on. more glaze one more glaze <laughs> interesting speaking of glazes um, uh, when what one thing that we did with the painting, and I, we initiated this before we really understood it was Leonardo, is that we took samples, um, uh, sort of core samples, that, to stratification to examine the, the layers. So that's, you know, that's a destructive process, not very large. You know, it's a, basically a hypodermic needle-sized hole in it, but. Nonetheless, but it's got to be in the surface. It has right? to be and in the surface where there's action. Like yeah, where there's exactly. The edge of the painting is not going to do it. Right. And, and this was done in three, three, three spots. One of them was in the in the face, 
And the, uh, the I think there are 17 layers wow. that one sees, and of, you know, of, of, including preparation of glazes and glazes. Yeah. And, and, and one, of, you know, one of them, and this uh, I find fascinating in terms of my um, nascent career as a, as a painter, <laughs> you know, one, one of them in this beautiful flesh tone is, 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 uh, is ultraviolet blue. I mean, it's so, so counterproductive, uh, counterintuitive in a way that, um, and not in a, well, he's in probably dulling the oranges. Yeah, I mean, he's doing something. I mean, but it's kind of like, you know, it's this. He's he's working in 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 these ways to create this amazing effect. Which you, when you see the painting in the in 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 the flesh, you kind of uh, in person, not in the flesh. <laughs> you get the the a sense of a of a of a glowing glowing yeah. flesh tones on it, and. It doesn't come easy, right. clearly. It's, a, it's like playing an incredibly hard chess game. You're thinking five, six moves ahead. I'll put this down because I know months from now I'll probably put something, you know, this, this, and then this other layer that's going to achieve this amazing... Yeah, and, and certainly we know from his studies of optics and uh, of light that uh, these are things he thought about. And... And so the the illusion of um, of uh, physical presence is something. Again, it's another aspect of what's so interesting about uh, learning about the painting and studying it is that these other aspects of his knowledge and his career come together um, in this painting. And I think the fact that modern science can tell us some of these things, and and, and actually it's. One uh, other interesting aspect is, is that these kind of uh, analyses have not been done on most of the, of the Leonardo's because they're Leonardo's. You just don't take a sample. Yeah, nobody paint. sticks a hypodermic <laughs> needle in the Mona Lisa's <laughs> face. No, no so, so, so it, 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 in a way it's given us a, a fuller perspective of Leonardo. Other, uh, since that time, a couple of the paintings have been treated uh, recently. The Madonna Child with St. Anne was uh, cleaned at the Louvre. And the oh, uh, I thought they were really against cleaning it. Was there were, a policy? Oh, oh, they they are. They were. There are lots of debates. There are vehement opponents uh, to any kind of uh, treatment of the painting. But but there was a big difference between uh, London and Paris, where they in, at the Louvre they weren't cleaning it, and in London it had been you know. Well, that has to do with the Virgin of the Rocks. Yeah, and, and the Virgin yes, the, um, but it also has to do with the. The state of the two paintings, because the Virgin of the Rocks in the Louvre is a painting that has been transferred from panel to canvas, and um, uh, nonetheless, um, I think it probably would benefit from uh, conservation treatment, and I think it may well. I don't. I don't now we're going to be, getting, <laughs> now be getting emails like, oh, it may well dare be, me. It may well be, but I may. I mean, but I think. I, and the saying the adoration of the Magi is currently undergoing treatment in in Florence. Uh, this great unfinished picture. Did and that? Did that get damaged in, at the Uffizi? Right. It's at the Uffizi. Yeah. I mean, it was damaged fairly early on in its in its life. I thought it was damaged like recently. Like so many Leonardo. Yes, no, exactly. no, no, not that. No, I don't. Um, I, I think it's. Uh, it's been very well uh, okay. treated. I saw it in, in kinds of. No, I actually, I, for some reason, I thought somebody, like a, a person, went into the museum and did something to it or something. But I'm, I hate those people. Yeah, <laughs> well, the great, the great cartoon. It's in the National Gallery in London. Has been this, the object of uh, attacks. Uh, it might so, be. Oh, yeah. that cartoon yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, 
uh, you know, the, uh, alas, the kind of the most powerful works of art seem to attract crazy the, people. Crazy the craziest well, people. Yeah. Actually, the the Mona Lisa was attacked a long time ago, wasn't it? Well, it was stolen. I don't know. If it, it was, was, oh, it was stolen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my friend Vinny says that it's a fake at the Louvre, and he's got the real one. You, you, you may, I don't know whether, whether you're aware, but when the painting was stolen and it was missing for a year or so, there were three or four putative originals that were then marketed. <laughs> uh, it was kind of a great opportunity for the fakers to get out there and sell the real thing. So once, uh, at the point when the painting is authenticated, what do you do? Like, what's the next move? Okay, you got you got a Leonardo, so now what? Well, in this case, we waited for it to be exhibited and brought to the public. And just before that happened in the fall of 2011, um, news came out. It was sort of it was retrospect, I guess, it was ine inevitable. A lot of people did know about the painting from scholars and uh, from scholars to insurance agents. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and framers and the like. And somebody said something to someone else, and so it did come out in the press. But um, I think at that point, one just sort of sat back and watched it as in, when it was put on view in, in London. And I had the opportunity of seeing the exhibition several times, because my favorite occupation was just to stand behind people and listen to what <laughs> they had to say. And um, it's, it was really, really interesting, because the responses... Um, to it were so diverse. Yeah, I was going to say across the board. Yeah. you heard everything. And there and there were things that I, um, I, that, that were in a way lost on 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 me. For example, the the fact that the I mean I consider it a very spiritual painting, but not a religious painting. But that may be because I'm not a religious mm -hmm. person. But many people found it to be powerfully um, as as a, as a Work of devotion. Mm -hmm. They responded to it that way. And I had, I've had conversations with um, with people. One was the, the the Bishop of Oxford. I had a, met at a dinner party, and it's absolutely fascinating to see it from it the point of view, probably much closer to what was involved when it was painted. But something that's divorced from me in these sec secular times and. Uh, uh, in, in, in seeing a kind of a response to the picture in that regard. But also just, that, you know, there is a, there are phenomenal qualities to the picture. It's, it's androgynous quality mm -hmm. one is one which um, is something that... He tends to do that. He does, <laughs> he does. I mean, I mean the, the, analogy, the analogy with Mona Lisa is not, you know, it's kind of, someone called it the male Mona Lisa. But, you know, Mona Lisa... <laughs> is rather masculine when you think yeah, about it. Yeah. And this Christ is rather feminine yeah. in some aspects. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's a kind of um, uh, gender neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, that, that, you know, that has something to do with the universality of the image that he's portraying. Uh, so he may be way ahead of his time in you that know, regard. That's, even, a, that's a really, I never even thought of that. That's even really to the point that unusually for Christ, he's, the beard is barely, it's just, it's a hint of a beard. There's kind of no, I mean, that very most masculine char characteristic of the, of the face is basically not there. Mm -hmm. And so um, he's a young, young Christ, but not, not, a, not a, you know, he's mature, 
he should have a beard, but he doesn't. He's <laughs> Unless he was in layer 18. That, <laughs> exactly. that could have been it, too. That could have been it, yeah. So uh, I had mentioned that a friend of mine uh, who's a painter mm. got to see it and immediately thought, yes, this is definitely Leonardo, just by the virtue. And then you had mentioned that uh, Jamie Wyeth uh, was looking at it and had some interesting comments. I was curious to oh, hear. He did. I mean, it's interesting, um, because I was with him when he saw it before the before it went off to, to London. And uh, the intensity of his... Uh, it is, Obviously, a painting that's very different from his own. It's not. Right. So, it's not that it's uh, you know felt a necessary a kindred spirit. Well, but as a it, painter, still there as is a painter, that. I'm I'm sure yes, absolutely, but not in terms of ex- expressivity. Right. Let's say <laughs> and 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 uh, uh, but I think on an emotion on an emotional level, he responded very powerfully to it, um, and I. Th- what went on? I didn't really ask him whether he was thinking about how it was made and how how he got those effects, but um, but um, he, he was basically you know powerfully moved by it. Yeah. Clear and, and and I think um, of course painters look at things differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very um, uh, it's 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 not as if a painter is painting a painting for another painter painter to look at it. Uh, to well, and analyze of. it. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> but one likes to think they're looking at the broader audience right. of the schooled and unschooled. Um, uh, but uh, I, I think there's a, a phenomenal um, perspective that an artist who looks at a, pa- a painting can, you know, can bring to it, and an understanding that's that's not um, shared by um, the proverbial man on the street, which right. in this case is. I would include myself. <laughs> <laughs> my, I mean, my friend who had seen it said, uh, called me up afterwards and said, "This is." And of course, you know, as you would imagine, somebody calls you and says, "I just saw Leonardo." You're like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> and he was saying, "No, the I mean, the curls and the hair, the hand, like it's it's clearly a Leonardo." And I mean, yeah, I mean, actually, the curls of the hair is kind of an interesting uh, uh, aspect because uh, if you look at Leonardo's students. Um, they could do curls really mm-hmm. good. Um, <laughs> they, it, was, it must have been some part of their instruction in a way to do these phenomenal curls. However, his curls are different from their curls. Right. <laughs> and if you look at this painting in particular and look at the works of it, you'll see that every strand is observed. The highlight, the half tones, whatever. Right. It, it, it's whereas the students tend to do it by rote in a way. It's right. kind of an easy... They repeat least, the same shape. It's the same way to do it. You knock it off mechanical. in a certain way, and it looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's very impressive, especially if you have that facility of handling uh, you know, these, um, these shapes. But there's something really quite amazing about this when you look at it and, just, and see it. It just kind of um, jumps out in a way that, of course... Going back to the kind of the, the different aspects of Leonardo's career, and he's written about how uh, how the curls of hair are very much like the rivulets of water in a stream. Right. And you look at this, and it's just they seem to be identical in a way, um, in 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 just the way that the forms are created and the the uh, um, way it's worked into the composition. So when it gets, how do you um, so how do you Value it now. 
Well, it's like everything else in the world. It's supply and demand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And it was sold. There's not it much was, supply. It was, it was sold. It, it's, it's been, uh, it was sold and evidently sold again since that time. Oh, really? And, uh, According to Wikipedia, it's in a Russian oligarch. That I've... Seen as well, <laughs> seen as, but according to Wikipedia, I was the vendor of the picture, which I was not. So. Unfortunately, for you. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, who bought, who Wikipedia is not is not, not perfect. It may have done right. a, a bit of a bit of shorthand there, but um, uh, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm you know the the painting was requested for the, is a very large Leonardo show that's on now in Milan. Uh, and was requested for that, and unfortunately, the current owner didn't agree to lend it, which is, mm -hmm. I, I think, would have been wonderful to see it again, also to see it in the context of the, uh, in 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 uh, in Milan, where right. it may well have been painted. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> when it's when it's sold, do you know how much? Do you know how much it sold for? I I I I know how much it was sold for. Yes. I do, but and I is that under? Like it's you completely. Don't, oh, that's great. It's completely. Uh, un, un, uh, can, you can't speak about that. Well, I can say that. Well, well, something yeah. happens from the, the yeah, divine yeah. sources. <laughs> I'm struck down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wikipedia has its ideas, yeah, they do. but again, we're just going to make something up. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, ten grand. Ten that's grand. Is, right. It sounds. It sounds yeah. as good a number as any. <laughs> Um, but there isn't like a committee that all gets together and says, well, it should be this or it should be that. Again, it's it's whoever's willing to pay whatever. Yeah, no pricing. I mean, you know, pricing the priceless is always a creative, uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, How do you do that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you have an idea about it. I had an idea of what it was worth. Um, and there are different ways of valuing things based on similar items, previous items and the like. But you know, when you look at it, you have a world which values uh, Leonardo at one level, and you know, will put a value of a de, on a de Kooning or Jackson Pollock at another level, or a Giacometti bronze, of which there or may Giacometti, be a set of eleven. Yeah. You know, there may be eleven casts of it. Um, uh, you know, I think the the ration, those rational um, uh, ways of valuing uh, fail. And so, yeah, no, I suppose supply and demand still uh, uh, exist in the, de the supply of Leonardo is very small, but the <laughs> demand in terms of what you want to have in your, on your, in your living room and yeah. on that new skyscraper on 56th Street. Is that a hint as to the... Uh... <laughs> no, I have no, I have no, I have no idea. Quick look up who bought the penthouse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But you know, it's funny because when you hear about things like the Mona Lisa and anything Michelangelo, you know, you, you hear the word priceless come with it. And, you know, to us artists, and I do think to society, they are priceless. So that's why I half joke, but I'm serious. It's like, how do you, how does one give it a price? Something that is priceless. You know, well, one, of the, one of the most amazing, you know, uh, uh, men who, who who's ever walked the planet. That's like that. I mean, Bill hard. Gates bought his Kodaks, right? Well, interestingly enough, I uh, wearing my, one of my other hats as, as as an appraiser, and I I was asked to appraise the Codex that he bought mm. um, for its previous owner, and um, and I uh, I valued it at fifty million dollars. I think he. Paid thirty-three million dollars, so I think he got a bargain. Got a right, but I mean, uh, but you know, the, 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 obviously, it's it, you know, what's you know, seventeen million dollars. <laughs> 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 you know, it, it, it's it, it it's uh, 
it's not a science, right? But, um, and, and there are a lot of factors that could, and, you know, it could be, you know, in that case, it was an auction. It could be someone who was sick one day or whatever, <laughs> didn't bid on it. But you know, th- th- these are, are uh, things. Uh, it, it sounds rather banal, but it's uh, it's what someone will pay for it. Right. That's what the value is, and. Uh, I mean, whatever the value is, as mentioned, whether in Wikipedia or in other sources, <laughs> for the sale of this painting, I think it was phenomenally undervalued. I mean, yeah. this is the the rarest thing on the planet by well, the greatest human being, I think, that ever lived. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, c- considering what people have paid in recent memory for Giacometti bronzes, you, you know, you have to multiply that exponentially to get to a Leonardo, one would think. Uh, well, one would think, one would think, but you know, certainly, um, I think we are in a time when um, uh, art has become a, uh, art of a certain type has become a commodity, and uh, the people that value it as a commodity are all looking for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a bit of uh, uh, there's a divorce between um, uh, the values of these. Works of art. <laughs> uh, of course, half of your audience will hate me for this, but no, I don't. Not I think, I think pro- We've spoken a lot on the podcast yeah. about how yeah. open for manipulation the art market is, and I think that that's true, and particularly of of certain kinds of work where there's where it's readily available. I think. Uh, oh yeah. No, people control the markets for certain things, and they. I mean, it's known. I mean, there there are articles written published about certain dealers bidding up their own work just to to inflate the prices in auction yeah no i think there's i mean i think there's a um one of the reasons why i'm a um a dealer in old master paintings where all my artists are long dead is that there's a <laughs> an, an awful um circle between artist critic Museum trustee, right. collector, yeah. <laughs> money, money, money. Each Board, connecting yeah. each 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 of these things, which uh, in which quality isn't necessarily a factor. Right. I mean, it can be. Uh, it can. It, it sometimes comes comes in there <laughs> <laughs> happily, but um, usually there are so many other factors that are there um, that I you know I find it discour- I find it of course more discouraging for for artists of quality because right. they they're having to. Um, uh, look at this with uh, exasperation at the kindly. <laughs> well, does this sound weird? Can you teach taste and connoisseurship to people? Well, um, yes, yes, no, I guess. <laughs> I guess uh, you know it, it's it's it's. Uh, um, I ask it just because when you're, I'm assuming when you're dealing, when you're selling, how do you you know? teach people to like, this is the good one, this is what you want, and not that other stuff. L- luckily, in that regard, people that I, you know, they, they've kind of self-edited themselves before they, I meet them. Hmm. And so most people that are, that are my clients are pretty sophisticated in what they're collecting. Um, unlike most collectors in the contemporary world, they are very much scholars in their own right. They know as much about um, say Italian Baroque painting as as I do, um, and and they will be focused on dates and issues, and I mean it, it, it's a passion that um, that informs their their lives for for most of them. Um, it's it's 
you know, those that are interested in, in some of this more on a decorative le level, and it's certainly some of them, you know, can be in terms of, uh, you know, but are, are different, but it's, 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 it's a, um, yes, you can, you can, or obviously you can learn about it, just like um, you can learn how to paint, yeah. <laughs> which I'm trying to do, <laughs> but I, re I realize there's a, there's a difference between having the technical facility and, and, and doing something, um, doing something with it. In the same way, I, I think that um, uh, if you have the interest and the passion, whether it comes from interest in history, religion, or cultural history, or, or just your, your response, you go to a museum. I mean, this is one of the things, I, I'd say that if I asked most of the collectors that I know how they got interested, it's because they went to a museum, they saw a painting, they responded to it, and then all of a sudden, whether at some point in their life uh, they're able to, you know, think seriously about owning owning something, they discovered that the the prices were really quite phenomenally reasonable compared to most of what yeah. uh, the world world collects. <laughs> um, you know, they decided to do something practical about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for us, I think I asked that because I think the educated public is good for us. We want people to be educated and want them to know exactly what they want and know dates and know, you know, why and technique and all that stuff. For us, that's one of our selling points is because we take it so seriously and we work so hard and we spend most of our lives get, just getting the ability to get there. So when you say that, that's very encouraging to well, I us. Think, I think more than that is, is the fact that... Um, um, the public respects that, respects it in a way that, um, you know, when they, when they go to see many exhibitions, contemporary art exhibitions in museums, there's this look of ab absolute confusion and, and, and wondering, you know, what the hell's going on? Um, and um, and um, I, I'm not, you know, being, uh, you know, a Philistine about, about these things, but I'm, ju I'm just saying that uh, there is, you know, they respond to what's being what they're being presented with, and it, it's it's so skewed today in terms of the official institutions that uh, so much of what I think the vocabulary the responses are, are are there for mimetic art. I mean, for things that look like things, <laughs> um, and and which basically over the course of history, whether you're going back to the Venus of Willendorf or the painting that you did yesterday, are the things that have the greatest capacity for having a response in the public. Um, these are being so much um, neglected by uh, our institutions uh, as art. I mean, it's great that art has become such a you know, a major part of our culture. You see it on the news, you hear, hear about an exhibition, but so much of it is being... And being, part of the economy. And part of, yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 so, I mean, uh, I was, about 10 years ago, I organized an exhibition of old master ga uh, paintings at a gallery in New York. And we put in a few ads in uh, the typical places in the Times and uh, near, but there was, also, there was a mention in the Daily News the day after the Daily News, the gallery was absolutely packed. From the I, Daily News. I, I was astoni astonishing. It's the working man's paper. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's kind of for it's, the, the, every, the everyday paper. Yeah, it's the everyday, well, they were, they were out in force. They were, I don't, there wasn't a serious buyer among them, as it turned out. <laughs> but that was, it, it was so heartening. 
to see people com coming and looking at, the, at these and paintings. Responding, and really responding, really connecting yeah. with the yeah. work. I mean, when I've done public exhibitions of paintings, whether I do some art fairs or sometimes I do a, an exhibition, uh, I mean, that's kind of what one loves to get in, you know, yeah. to hear, hear what people... Uh, I mean, it's the same, has to be the same uh, with you as artists. I mean, yeah, it's great to sell a painting, but it's really wonderful to have someone who... Who, who responds to it? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, this is why you're you're, you're yeah. communicating in the way that you do, and and when you get an audience, you need an audience. Um, it's it's usually satisfying. That must have been so fulfilling than watching the Leonardo standing behind people at the National Gallery oh, with the Leonardo. Absolutely, actually, you know, I felt I'd really done something, <laughs> 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 and I really have. I mean, you know, because because uh, uh, you know the 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 idea that I helped bring this picture from absolute obscurity into the canon of our our heritage re return it to that because it was there once before and some um you know i, I felt that it was oh I've my done gosh. something yeah. i've done did something important uh, in the world yeah. <laughs> is is there any chance that it'll wind up in a public collection in the near I, future I, I i i have no idea but i certainly hope so i mean the picture's not going to disappear right. i mean the one um aspect uh, of it, of the whole adventure that I'm, disappointed me is that it wasn't it wasn't acquired at least hasn't been acquired so far by a, a public institution, particularly in America. So it was something I worked very hard uh, to, to to try to make it happen. But a combination of there's probably the, only a few places that can afford there's it. There's only one Leonardo in the states, just, right? just in DC. Just the exactly the Ginevra da Benci in Washington. But no, the the value of it worked against it certainly, and limited resources acquisitions mm -hmm. in museums. But it would have been nice for someone to have stepped up and yeah. and, yeah. And, and buy it and and, and donate it. And certainly there are people that could. Do you feel like it's <laughs> the end of Indiana Jones? Uh, and they're like the Ark of the Covenant. He's I like, did, I did think of that a little bit. Who's working on it? Yeah. <laughs> Our yeah. top men. Which yeah. men? <laughs> top men. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's uh, it's too, you know yes it's I don't know where it is now. I don't know who's looking at it at this very moment. If anyone is, but uh, no, it won't go away. It'll be. Do you back. still have visitation rights? Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I, I that I, is outrageous. I, I try to negotiate for them, but I, it, it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, but do you honestly? Do you feel a, a connection, like a kin, like a connection with the painting? Like, do you feel? No, like, absolutely, absolutely. I would think I mean, after all that time. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you you, you work on something. You, Stared into that face long hours, yeah. both in person and reproduction. Uh, even as it's changed a little bit, as it's as it's been cleaned. No, it's a it's a very powerful connection. And and uh, um, no, I hope to see the painting again. I mean, every time that I did see it, because of course it was at a certain point under uh, either whether in museum or in vault or or uh, in uh, safe in safekeeping. Someplace or another. I mean, it was it, it was a revelation each time, yeah. just as it should be for any any work of art. I mean, you, you were here in New York. You go to the Met. You probably have your favorite paintings, works of art, things you respond to. You go back to them. You yeah. go back to them. You see something they're new like a, each time. They're like old friends. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's I mean, great works of art um, have that ability to sustain, communicate, and keep on. It's a gift that keeps on yeah. giving. <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, just a couple of last questions. What um, I'm curious, what did it do for your name? 
Well, a couple of people have heard of me now, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> um, and 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 I'm now the recipient every week of a new Leonardo. <laughs> not only that, or a new Van Gogh, or a new whatever, because the idea is that if I could, t- you know, if I could, if I could, if you did turn that, that, for that, that Leonardo. Yeah, yeah. So so that, that, there's. That. I mean, I think in my field, I'm I was always, you know, well respected, but. Um, it does give a little more credibility to yeah. finding the most important painting of the you know a discovery <laughs> yeah. of the of the twentieth century. Yeah, you know? I mean, would you have interviewed me otherwise? Sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. If yeah. I were, if I were just doing a color theory class, <laughs> are you going to write a book about the experience? I I, I am. I'm. I'm a, we have a. I'm a contributing to a book. Uh, which is in in pro, uh, progress in, in pro, process of being write, write, written about it, but I hope um, which will just deal with a little bit with its recent history. But I've um, at a certain point I'd like to do a a full fledged book both on all these aspects of the of the uh, process of the research of the technical yeah. findings, all of these things because a, a real monograph on the painting, which which the picture obviously deserves both both uh, to introduce it in a scholarly basis, because it really hasn't been fully published and fully, uh, and since it's not accessible at the yeah. current time for it to be uh, studied through in that format. And, um, and also just to set out some of the ideas that have been put forth by other scholars and by myself about, about the painting and what it, what it meant in its time. Would you add in spies or espionage or any of that stuff? We could do that. I mean, I've explosions. <laughs> That'll be for the movie. Helicopters, <laughs> pole vaulting, dynamite. Yeah. Who's yeah. going to play you in the movie? Well, well, I, you know, Brad Pitt was one. Yeah. Of the <laughs> I mean, that's the obvious choice. Yeah. But. Yeah. but you know, we're, we're we're working on that. We'll do a casting call. Well, I don't know if you have any more questions. I have one more final question. Uh, I was wondering on uh, you know on on record if the painting ends up back in the United States in New York can we go with you to see it uh, maybe <laughs> absolutely that would be if it, that would be public, a treat in that a public institution that would be a treat <laughs> I would no, love I mean, to go and see it and just hear stories about it because you know we, we goof around but it really is an extraordinary and beautiful tale really no it's a great tale it's a great painting and it's a, I mean it, it's it's a painting of of, uh, of great seriousness. And um, it's something that you know, it would have been a fantastic thing to have found Leonardo something and anything, yeah. uh, a scribble by him. But the fact that the painting was so powerful and so, um, and yes, spiritual, as I mentioned before, in, in a way that affect, affected me very much, even though I'm, you know, was looking at it in a very, Scientific, cold uh, fashion, but it really <laughs> did, did did have this effect um, as any you know, more than any uh, other work that I ever yeah. experienced. So, do yeah. you have a poster of it up in your house? Several. <laughs> <laughs> I have a room. <laughs> he actually has the real it's painting. True. <laughs> he actually he has the other one is uh, is a copy. Is a copy. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, he paid way too much. Well, we wanted to thank you so much yeah, for coming really. and talking. This has been great. It was really yeah. fascinating. And uh, I, I mean, I, I saw the painting online and everything, but I can't wait to go back and just look at it more now. Well, I think you uh, probably th- know that online and seeing a painting in person is a little bit different. But I'm going to be <laughs> but, looking at the thumbs. <laughs> yeah. 
but the thumbs are quite something. Well, until we can actually see it in see person. Because uh, I'm now, that's going to be on the, the bucket list is to see that painting. Yeah, mine too again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so thank much. You so and much. thank you to the Grand Central Academy uh, for hosting us, Atelier. And no thanks to Jay Braun for not being here today. You stink. You're fired, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jay Braun. Jay Braun. Jay Braun. Jay Braun. Today you stink. You're fired, Jay. Ted. 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 Ted.